welcome back. We're on to another edition of uh, Movie Night, and it was Blue's choice this time. And uh, he watched it. It's this is becoming quickly becoming a theme of classics that I have heard about and have always wanted to either see, read, or you know watch, and just never have. Uh, on the podcast this week, it was War of the Worlds, and now this week it's uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yep, I'm forcing them on him. Uh, and he does not get a choice in the matter, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope you enjoyed it as much as um, I did. As much as I went on about it, yeah, no, I I was very inter- so far. These have been very two very uh, um, what what's the word I'm looking for? They haven't been disappointments. War of the Worlds was a very good book, and uh, that movie was very entertaining. Uh, a very crazy off the walls and random. Um, and by movie you mean book. I know it's a book too, but we watched the movie. For War of the Worlds? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You said War of the Worlds. I said War of the Worlds first, and then okay. I said. I don't know, anyway. Anyway, but yes. World Worlds. Uh, yes, book. a lot of high end actors, uh, a lot of crazy jokes, and it's. <sighs> what was it? I, I kept comparing it to the other day. It was. Um... We're talking about a science fiction. Oh, Back to the Future, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Alicia was like, "That's a sci-fi, isn't it?" And I'm like, "Yes and no. It's technically science fiction, but where, for example, War of the Worlds is a, a threat from outer space coming, and mm. it's dramatic, um, and there's a lot of consequences to all the actions." Back to the Future is essentially about just a kid getting one over on his high school bully. The first one, yeah. But if you think about the series as a whole, they do go... I mean, they go to the future, there's hoverboards, there's flying cars and stuff. Yeah, I mean, all of the... The actual future part of it could be taken out and it would just be... Yeah. Just be that. Anyway. It's not about the sci-fi. But that's also not the movie we're supposed to be talking about. No, sorry, yes. (laughs) That's... Do you want to do, like, do the rundown? Yeah, yeah. So the movie opens up somewhere in uh, you know rural Britain, um, <clears throat> and uh, as a the, lot of these sci-fi seem to, <laughs> at least some of the a lot of the ones that you've had. I mean, that's that ran, that's a theme that ran across both of the movies. Uh, sorry, the movie and the book. Mm. Um, that guy who's I, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's in a ton of different stuff. Martin Freeman. Yeah, Martin Fre- he like he he played the Hobbit in yep. the Hobbit. Um, he was Sherlock's assistant. Yep. Yeah, he played Watson. Yeah, in that show. Um, anyway, this is him, I guess, in his his younger days, looking a bit, you know, chubbier Useful. and frumpier. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, you took that a much more positive direction than I did. <laughs> I think the very I knew where you were going. I was trying to cut you off at the pass. <laughs> very first line in my notes. Hey, it's that guy. Man, he's fat. Yeah. Anyway, so he. Nah, my, my first line was "Thanks for all the fish." That oh yeah, sorry. It opens up with a great musical number talking about how dolphins have just been trying to communicate with us and tell us that the world is going to end and they're really aliens and so yeah. they do this giant musical number, you know, "Thanks for all the fish," and then the dolphins leave Earth. It, it starts with um, humans believe themselves to be the most intelligent species on the planet, but in fact they are the third. Second being dolphins, and then 
yeah, it goes on to say how all the tricks that the dolphins have been doing for humans' amusement has actually been warnings yeah. that the world's going to be destroyed. Yeah. And I, I didn't think about that until just now, but they really, they do reveal at the end who the first smartest creature on the planet is. Um, it just takes them quite a while to get there. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so the dolphins leave, and then it, it then it cuts to this guy, you know, schlub in the, dent. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere. And um, he comes outside of his house in the morning in his bathrobe to see a giant, like, demolition crew there um, saying that, hey, we're going to be tearing through your house and uh, you know, building a road, uh, some kind of an expressway through that area. And they're like, oh, but it's it's been posted on a sign in town for weeks. You should have seen it and stuff like that. And So, okay. Because I feel like there are a lot of jokes. I wanted to say how the book says them as we go through. I know hmm. I said I was going to plan it differently, but... Go for it. So, in the um, in the film, they're like, I had to go into the cellar of the building to look for it. In, in the book, it's in the cellar behind a locked door with a sign on it saying, Beware of the Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where they hid the notice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so his friend comes over and like he's he's laying down in front of like one of the construction pieces of construction equipment. Like you're not going to destroy my house and and um, I can't remember what the, the the guy who's doing the demolition has a, a pretty funny line. He says something along the lines of, "Like do you know how much damage it would do to this this digger if it ran over you?" And he just leans down, "Absolutely none." <laughs> that is take oh. yeah it was such a good line uh, I got a kick out of that anyway so his friend shows up and is in a bit of a like a huff just like oh you know quickly come with me it's like oh don't don't worry about your house you know it, it won't be that that bad and he, he takes him to like a, a pub in the middle of the downtown area mm-hmm. and um orders six pints all at once and um I think the main character's like, it, it's like, it's 1030. It's lunchtime, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't even lunch. Anyway, so they so they get them and he proceeds to, like, chug one of them. And he, he reveals to him in this that, you know, uh, he's he's paying him back to for, for saving his life the first time he was there. And he reveals that he's actually an alien. And um, he thought that the cars were the dominant species on the planet and was trying to communicate with a car, but it was about to run him over. Um, anyway, so he, he, like, the main character guy runs back to his house. Sorry. The the reason they're drinking the beers is because it's muscle relaxant. Oh, I missed that. Okay. I... And, uh, then he also, I don't know if they, they mentioned peanuts, but I don't know if they actually talk about it. Uh, and then the, the, the peanuts is like, um, the salt or something does something good for sickness, travel mm. sickness. Yeah. Okay. That that makes a lot more sense. I thought it was just world was ending. Let's get a few pints. Um, I actually worked with a guy who like he had a really bad back and he used to throw it out and he he swore that like <laughs> he would just drink beer. Didn't take didn't wouldn't take painkillers. Wouldn't take just just like oh, oh I hurt my back. I gotta go home and have some beers. It's kind of painkiller, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, um, but so they they go back and. What was it? They... The house has been destroyed. Yeah, the house has already been destroyed, and it's all like kind of torn apart. And he's like go- and sifting the through the rubble, screaming and running away. 
Yeah. And it's because if they uh, they look up to the sky, there's a giant, like, Borg cube spaceship thing floating above the planet. Monolith. And it gives an announcement that's pretty much identical to what the construction crew said to the main character at the very beginning. It's like, your planet is, you know, being demolished for a new interstellar, like, hyperspace lane. You know, we, we posted a notice at Alpha Centauri, like, years ago. It's not our fault if you didn't read it, and... Um, you know, main character's friend has like this thumb ring that's like a hitchhiking thing and it like sends out some kind of a beam and they get teleported just as the world is blown up. Mm. Um, and they end up on that ship that was above and it turns out it's being, it's run by the, uh, what are they called? The The Vogons. The Vogons. And Um, they... But first... Okay. They show you the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And they, I did, I did really like these segments. They, they cut to them every now and again, mm. and they, they do them in this very like infomercial kind of style, where it's like uh, they give you little clips about the, the. They do the Vogons, like the Vogons are are this. So, and... what Kaiser's talking about is there is a book called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy inside of the story, mm. where it's like an encyclopedia for all hitchhikers, which explains basically everything in the universe. Yeah. Gives right, you, <laughs> give, yeah, gives you the spark notes of just, like, basic stuff that you need to know. And the Vogons are described... They're basically space bureaucrats. Utterly mm. uncreative. They have forms for forms for forms. And, you know, very, very bo- boring and dull. I think they also say something about, like, they have... What is it? The second worst poetry in the galaxy or something like that? Third worst poetry in the galaxy. The second worst being... Uh, there was a performance where... A bunch of people basically committed suicide. One guy, like, ate his leg while listening to it. And the most boring was, like, a lady from Cardiff. Yeah. Which and was I think... thankfully destroyed when the planet blew up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, I remember that line. I couldn't... I, I wouldn't have been able to quote it right. Uh, anyway, so... They're on the ship, and uh, the Vogons don't like hitchhikers. And so they're trying to, uh, I guess, avoid being caught by them while hopefully another ship comes up and will rescue them uh but what happens instead it well they're caught they're like chained to a table and uh forced to listen to the poetry of the captain of the ship and um they do their best to like flub their way through complimenting it and not get killed and um doesn't work captain calls them on their bullshit and Mm. uh they're spaced you know and then there's like, I love the, there's like a voiceover. It's like the human body can survive 30 seconds in space without, uh, without a suit. And it's like, um, it's like the odds of someone actually picking them up in that time are some million to one. And then cue the giant ball ship that pops in and, and gets them. <laughs> the heart of gold, it's called. Yeah. And I think there's a couple flashbacks here where they introduce the characters who are on this ball ship. Yes. Um, so one of them is the president of the galaxy. Um, what you you you're doing a weird look? Did I? I'm trying to remember his name. Now. It's like Beetle Bop. Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, I fuck. I've forgotten now. I just finished the story, the book earlier today. <laughs> I always just I was just calling him Bebop in my head. It'll come back to me. Go on. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so he's think like '80s, uh, like rocker hair. Um, you know, and he is a bit of a dumbass. 
Uh, he seems to have gotten elected on a like a fluke. Um, well, this is one of the parts from the book that I think you would have really liked. It's, oh. uh, it's, it's something along the lines of everyone, everyone but like six people in the entire universe believe that the the president of the universe has power. The other six put him there to distract people away from the idea of power. Hmm. That's a um, clever line. Yeah, and so basically he's the the actual position is basically just a label. <laughs> <laughs> what I actually wrote in my notes um was this is an example of why direct democracy is shit. <laughs> yep. Uh anyway, so the they introduce him and he basically they I think they in his intro they're like within like hours of him being elected he kidnapped himself and stole his own ship, and then flew off. Well, it wasn't his ship. He was there to announce the uh, this like super secret ship that had been made on a super secret planet, mm. and he was just like mine. Yeah, he stole <laughs> yeah. it and kidnapped himself. Yes, uh, and the other person on the ship, uh, I can't remember her name, but Zoe Deschanel. Trilly, Trinity. Oh yeah, she she renames herself Trillium. Yeah, she calls herself Trillium. Mm. Um, and then a flashback. Apparently, main character man has met her at a party at one point, and mm. she asks him to run off to Madagascar with her and quit his job and go on an adventure. And he's a sensible person and said, "Bitch, you crazy." Yeah. And uh, at which point, in a better way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The person who we now know is the president of the galaxy, shows up... Zaphod Beetlebrox. Zaphod Beetlebrox. I'm not going to remember that. I think. But he shows up, and I think I got the flashbacks out of order. I think they do her flashback first, because you're not supposed to know he's the president at that point. He shows Mm. up and whisks her away off to go on some crazy adventure, which it turns out is space. Um, Space? He says... What was it? Um... Do you want to have a look at my spaceship? <laughs> yeah. So they... Those are the two on the ship, along with Marvin, the chronically depressed robot. They do actually call him the paranoid android in the book. That's why I was getting it confused. Ah, okay. He's... Yes. I When he first talked... I think this because I recently watched the Harry Potter movies. I thought he was Snape. I thought it was the same guy. Mm. Like, I thought it was that voice actor, but it, it just it was a person just doing a very good, morose voice. Yeah. Space Eeyore. Oh, and the uh, the doors on the spaceship that sigh as you go through them. So they, they flesh that out as well in the book. So what happens is the, the people who made the ship were like, everything on the ship is designed to make, your, to, to make you feel good, basically. And so the doors, they open in gratitude for you being there and when they close they sigh with a job well done (laughs) (laughs) so the doors are basically like hyper positive things and so Marvin fucking hates them (laughs) (laughs) there's there's a line and I didn't quite I'm starting to understand what was meant by this Um, again quoting the guy that does uh, zero punctuation he was talking he he was talking about a game and he referenced Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and um, he said something along the lines of uh, it's like finally having read the book of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and 
seeing what all or seeing what they were banging on about in the movie was all about or something like that like because the implication being the movie the movie does move at a fairly breakneck pace and a lot of stuff happens and it is like a lot of it you just kind of put down to space weirdness well they add in a lot of things as well but all the things they mention are very accurate to the book they're Mm. just cut down yeah so the book fleshes it out yeah um anyway so they all have a little bit of an introduction on the ship uh you probably want to explain the uh probability drive i will get to that when they use it i was gonna they did turn into a sofa oh okay that well that that happens when they um when they i guess yeah when they arrive on the ship but i was going to kind of explain that all at once when they they use it to travel very Um, but yeah so they they get on the ship and um there's a brief round of introductions with all these people um apparently president man and guy's friend like know each other they met some time back or something like that or they're no no they're cousins or cousins they're cousins that's what it is ford prefect yeah and so they they have like a little heart to heart main character catches up with trillium um as she calls herself uh and it's kind of established that she doesn't know that the earth was just blown up and the president threatens him to shut the fuck up and not tell her that the earth was blown up um yeah. and the way they travel on the ship which i'll get to now uh is the improbability drive it's essentially just i can't remember exactly how they describe it but it's essentially hyperspace with a little bit of random thrown in. Yeah, so it, it completely randomizes everything. I don't know how it, it manages to propel them forward, but it travels through every like atom of the universe, mm. basically. And in order to do that, it has to make things in, like insanely improbable, so random things happen. Yeah. I think when they first show up on the ship, like Blue said, the two characters, Ford and main character, who I've, is it Arthur? Arthur? Uh, yeah. yep. he's um they're both turned into sofas at one point when they use it they're all transformed into like ragdolls like literal you know claymation kind of ragdoll things yeah he vomits um, rainbow string <laughs> yes um let's see what else happened uh flowers they, yeah, they, they took. Well, whenever they use the drive, you see the ship transform into a bunch of random stuff before it pops mm. in wherever they're going. Um, but uh, the first planet they get to. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. I just. They, there's another random flashback at some point when they're talking about the, the computer, the answer to everything. Mm hmm. Do does that flashback happen yet, or is there. Just, uh, that's when they're talking about Magrathia. Yeah. Um, I can't remember when they mentioned the computer. I'll, I'll just talk about it now, because it's, it's general background information that does become relevant. And this is where the, the meme of 42 being the answer to everything is. Um, they talk about how this, this species of people created, like, this amazing supercomputer that, um would be able to tell them like the answer to, to everything the the secret to life. And they go up and they ask it, you know, what is the answer to life, the universe and everything? And the computer says, Oh, I need some time to think about this. Come back in like 7 million years. And they do. And the computer's like 42, <laughs> which, 
again, and no one understands what the fuck that means. And again, this is this is a meme that I have known about for ages before I ever saw the movie. And when I saw the, this, the build up to the scene and them making the computer and doing the intro for it, I was like, oh, this is where it comes from. But, <laughs> so I think I actually prefer the book version of it. Instead of it being, because in the film it's like on a like a Mayan temple mm. and two ancient-looking children are talking to this massive computer. In the book, it's two like technicians that have made like have made the programs, mm. and they're sitting in an office with it, ah. and they're like, "Okay, what's well, so the answer to life, the universe, and everything?" And then these two, like. Uh, sages or priests fly through the door they're like whoa 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 you have to shut this thing down right now this is going against everything it's we're meant to be the ones that tell you what the universe is about mm. not a big computer this is going to put people out of work kind of thing um, and they're complaining about that and they're like um, and the computer's like well hang on this is going to take me 70 million years whatever just ju- just argue about me making this making this computer um, and argue about me like I will never be able to come up with it because I'm not God or something and basically just milk it for all it's worth is what the computer says yeah like, oh. and then they go off and get really rich <laughs> I do like that version a lot better yeah um, yeah so that happens and then they like they're like well what does that mean in the com- in, in the movie and the computer is like well you didn't ask me like what the question, you know, the the ultimate question is. You asked me what the ultimate answer is, and they're like, okay, well, what's the ultimate question? And um, the computer said something along the lines of, you know, oh, that's not my job, you know. Yeah, it to... says I'm not smart enough to do it, but I'm smart enough to make the computer that can work it out. Yeah, and so that well, you don't say that next bit. <laughs> I know, I know, but at that point in the movie, I had, I predicted the ending. From that oh. that moment in the movie, because it, it seemed pretty obvious. Mm. Um, let's see here. I'm, I'm trying to remember what happens so next. So they go to the um, the bog planet next. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the, the swampy place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're both kind of swampy, but the the one with the people of the nose. You might have to pick up from here, because I'm struggling. So they land on a swamp... Uh, well, no, they get to a planet, and Zaphod's like, this planet, and he's just screaming a name. Hmm. Like Agraph... Agraphia or Thorn. something? No, because that sounds like Magraph... It, it, anyway, it's a name. So they land, and he storms off towards this like temple, with all these priests in green and blue robes. And... Oh. Do you remember it now? No, I, I just my notes are making more sense though because what I wrote was what the fuck is with this weird church thing? What the fuck is mm. happening? Is this a frat party in space? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my. <laughs> so they walk into this big hall and um, famous French actor, I can't remember his name, mm. uh, is like the head priest and there's a whole room full of these robed people. And they talk about how they they believe that uh, the universe was born through a creature sneezing or something. 
mm-hmm. and that the end of days will come about when the mighty handkerchief descends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they finish their prayers with a sneeze. Uh, and then Zephod goes to see the high priest on his own in his office. Mm. And the high priest, as it turns out, is not exactly fully human because the lower half of his body is these all oh, these little mechanical dendrite things yeah like metal spider leg kind of things yeah uh and he says to Zephod basically I, I you're going to Magrathia mm-hmm. there's a weapon on Magrathia that I want mm-hmm. if you bring it to me I will give you the coordinates to get to Magrathia I think mm-hmm. uh, and as um as payment so that you will come back and give me the weapon. I remember this part. Okay. And it, it, I didn't say it earlier, but it's established that Zaphod, the president guy, has two heads. One of them and is, like, un, under his chin. Like, he, like, occasionally he'll, like, his, his upper head will just fly back and there'll be another face in his throat that'll just talk and it's usually angrier. And he explains that, you know, because there, there are certain, like, mental requirements to become president, and so it had to be installed or something like that. Yeah, it was, I can't remember the exact details, but in the book, his ba- basically, you, you weren't allowed to have your whole brain to be the president. So what he did was he split his brain in half, so he still technically had his whole brain, yeah. but in two halves. Yeah, which was the two, yeah, the, the neck brain and the head brain. Um, and so he gives up the neck brain... To the guy as collateral to you know as to sh- so they'll come back or something like that so it cuts that out and then he's wearing like a bloody scarf for like the rest of the movie which is kind of weird he's also a bit more of a dumbass for the rest of the movie because now he is missing half his brain <laughs> yeah um and yeah the vogons arrive again the vogons arrive again and i believe they capture trillium at this point um like they they're getting away, and does she get left behind, or do they like catch she, her? In she the runs chase? out. She she's threatening Zephod because mm-hmm. that because he's the prisoner. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the the Vogons aren't attacking, and then I think they like just swarm her or something, and yeah, they end up carrying her off. Yeah. Oh, right, because they've been looking for the kidnapper of the president, and so she establishes herself as that person. Mm. Um, and now they have to come up with a plan to rescue her mm. from the Vogons who have her in prison and are you know, questioning her or torturing her or something. But it takes a while because there's a lot of paperwork to fill out. Um, and so they, they get there. Uh, they get to the prison planet or wherever it is where she's being held. Also, at some point, I don't know if it, I think it's been established at this point... Stuff in this movie happens so randomly that I'm having trouble, like, remembering what order it all happens in. Yeah. Um, but at some point, they also find out that the president signed the order to have no, Earth. That's uh, after, that's as Trinity, or whatever the fuck her name is, is making it out of the prison. Well, I think everyone else finds out about it earlier than that. But she finds out about it after they're heading out. No, because when she says it screaming at Zaphod, Arthur's like, wait, he did what? Okay, I thought I thought he already knew that at that point, but okay. Um, so they crash land on this planet, and they're, it's Marvin, Zaphod, Ford, and 
Marvin. Yeah. You you said yeah, said Arthur twice. Yeah. Um, and Marvin. To get in, they they have to take Martin's arm for some reason. Well, um, no, they have to walk across that field first. With the fly swatters. That's fucking funny. Yeah, there's <laughs> so there's a there's a field and it like fly swatters pop out of the ground and slap them in the face if they have an idea. And so every time they uh, every time they yeah every time they they try, they they're having trouble coming up with a plan because every time they try to think of one a fly swatter bops them in the face yeah um and eventually they end up just like sprinting across the field and getting <laughs> whacked constantly um and they they make it to this place which is essentially like a space dmv um mm. or rmv dmv registry of the vogon home world yeah and so I, the, the line I wrote, I, I wanted to make sure I wrote this down uh, from Arthur is like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm British. I know how to queue. Mm. And um, in that queue is actually the original Marvin from the original TV series, apparently. Oh, OK. Mm. That's right. Because there was a TV series before there was a movie. Yeah, that they did for this. Um curious to watch that anyway so they have they get to the front of the line and they have to fill out forms and th they're like oh you know you need to get this one it's the prisoner release form um the presidential one <laughs> no 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 that one comes second because oh, okay. fir first they fill out the the prisoner release form and they're like oh she's not eligible because you know presidential kidnapping and then she's like well th this is the president right here and she's like well this is the wrong form then you need the presidential pardon release form it's the blue one and so he yeah, has those people hold his spot in line, and he runs off, gets that form, fills it all out, and then comes back and hands it over to her. Meanwhile, she's just been told that the Earth has been destroyed. Yeah, while in the um, in the room. interrogation room, and I think she's like about to be executed or something like that, and that's when the form comes in. And so, it's while she's still in the interrogation room, and they slide over the piece of paper, and it says "love and kisses." Seyfold. Yeah, yeah. He thought he was. It thought it was an autograph form that he yeah. was signing when, when he signed the destruction of Earth Order. Um, but I think one of the funny things to me is so. There's also I don't know if she's like an admiral or if she's like the vice president or something. Um, but there's there's a human looking uh, woman who's always around the Volgons, and um, like she's there with them when like they're about to execute Trillium. And then the form comes through, and I, I loved the look of disappointment on her face when, like, the form comes through, and immediately the guy who's about to execute her is like, "Oh, it's a form. She's free to go." And, yep. and this other human person next to him is just like, "What the fuck?" Because <laughs> um, she's hot for Zephod. Yeah. So they, she gets released. This is where there's that whole like angry exchange between Trillium and the president. Like, you know, what the fuck you. You thought you were giving an autograph and you signed the destruction of Earth. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm stalling again. You want to go? They get back to the pod and um, Marvin gets his arm back. Mm -hmm. uh, they fly back to the Golden Heart. Gold Heart? Heart of Gold, that's the word. Hmm. Uh, and so, with everyone being there, and with the coordinates for Ma... Magrathea? Magrathea. 
they fly off to there. Right, and that that's where that computer is, right? Yes, and so before they land, they get a, a message come through on the hollow deck saying, uh, "Great to have you here, customers, but we're all out at the moment, so leave your, you know, home phone and planet, and we'll get back to you." <laughs> and they're like, "Ah, everyone here has been dead for two million years. Let's just keep going." Mm. And then it's like two thermonuclear warheads have been fired at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because and then they have to do like some crazy dodging with the the ship, like juking and jiving around, trying to dodge the missiles. And they've did they go down in that that escape ship at this point? Like there's a so, no the escape ship was the previous planet. Um, okay. So they're dodging and juking, and they're not getting away from these missiles. And in the end, Arthur, I think ends up hitting the uh, improbability drive button. Mm. And the missiles. And yeah, that that's like, nothing seems to happen on the ship, but outside, the two missiles have turned into a oh, yeah. pot of petunias and a sperm whale. Yeah, and then they... I've actually seen this clip before, the one from the whale. Yeah, uh, that's Bill Bailey narrating it as well. It's yeah, great. so the the whale and they they narrate like yeah, they've Bill Bailey narrating uh, what happened in this whale's head and the time it took him to you know eventually splat onto the planet. Mm. Just like you know him coming to terms with what existence is, and he's like at the ground. He's so excited to meet the ground. Like what's going to happen when I and then boom, splat. Yeah, he's he. Uh, so he starts naming things like oh, I'm going to call it my tail. Ah, oh, it feels so. This this noise is so loud. I'm gonna call it wind. And what's yeah. this thing coming towards me? It's so big, and oh, it needs a big word like ground. I wonder if it'll be my friend. Yeah, and then <sighs> yeah, and the yeah. the potted plant. I think uh, they they also cut to like what the the pot of uh, like petunias is thinking, and it's like the only thought running through its head was oh, not again, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, that was it. Uh, and they added afterwards, they were like, if people actually, people speculate, that if they actually understood why the Potter Petunias thought that, maybe they would have a far greater understanding of how the universe worked. <laughs> <laughs> so they make it down to the planet, and they go and uh, talk to the machine, uh, or the, the computer. Uh, not quite. They're on the snowy area, with the portals. Oh... Right, and then yeah, there's the there's the three portals, and then I, I think they activate one of them, and it looks it looks like a meat grinder, honestly. Yeah. And um, the girl decides, yeah, like they're they're kind of hesitating to go in. Girl decides, fuck it, you know. She shouts Leroy Jenkins and jumps through the portal. Yep. Um, and then the other people decide, well, you know, fuck it, let's follow her. And Gordon Zayford go through. British guy, Arthur, uh, is kind of hesitating. He's waffling back and forth. Oh, I don't want to go in. Oh, I'd rather just stay here on this cold planet and die lonely. And then finally he decides to jump through and the portal shuts off. And he just slides through to the other side. So it's just him and Martin. If I Marvin. remember. Marvin. Yep. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> um, and then Bill Nye appears. Oh, yeah, the, um, what's his face? The, d I know this actor from places, but I can't place his name. 
Oh, Bill am Nye. I am I skipping? Is it actually Bill Nye? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? I, was it Bill Nye? I can't. I can never remember I, which. I don't know. Go for it though. You, anyway, yeah. So this old man just appears and says, "Oh, come through this portal with me instead," because Arthur can't follow them because mm-hmm. he can't find the button. I guess for the portal that they went through. Mm. And so he goes through this portal with this random man. Just mm-hmm. leaves Marvin there. Yeah, I mean Marvin just gets left there. You know, poor bastard. Another excuse to be mopey. Uh, and then it goes to the people at the temple. If you want to continue. Okay. The people, the the other ones, the ones that jumped through first, they do arrive at the temple, and there's the big old supercomputer. Uh, and they go and talk to it and find out that the supercomputer has just been sitting there watching TV for, like, the last several million years. Yep. And um, just hasn't really gotten much of anything done. And I think the computer at this point, what is it? It tells them to. Does it? Where, it tells them where to go next. It tells them that the like the answer was being computed by something else that was created, right? Uh, I can't remember whether it tells them that or not. I think it might have done. Yeah, I, I, I like I only remember the bit like laughing at the bit where the um you know the computer was watching TV the whole time. But I think they do go to what is happening with Arthur at this. Well, no, so they then they're like, oh, we need to get the gun so we can get my head back. Oh, right. They, yeah, there's, um, it's the gun, it's like a perspective gun or something like that. A point of view gun. Point of view gun, that's what it is. Made by sh- housewives. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a kick out of that. If, if you shoot it at somebody, they understand your point of view. Um, uh, and, and I think, what is it, she... Like, the main uh, chick, Trillium, like, she shoots the president with it, and... Seven like, times. Yeah, several times, and he just, like, he's he's just suddenly understanding things. Um, then it cuts to Arthur, yeah. Then it cuts back to Arthur, who's now with this guy, and who's taking him on a tour through, like, a, a factory. Like, they build planets to order. Um... And, you know, after zooming through this, like, endless, um, like, factory, it, it, it is actually a really cool scene visually. They mm. get to the end of it and they're like, oh, you know, the Earth was commissioned for us to make it, like, you know, millions and millions of years ago. And just in case, you know, the clients wanted to make sure, you know, we have a backup. And, of course, they have a backup Earth and they're just putting the finishing touches on it. And um, what is it? He says the thing about of of mice and men. But do you remember that line? Uh, what the best laid plans of mice and men? Yeah, but he says the best laid plans of mice. Yeah, and Arthur's like and men. No, there weren't really any men. Nothing to do with it. <laughs> Just mice. Yeah, it turns out the smartest species on Earth were the mice, and they commissioned mm. Earth. In fact. Um. And this is the thing they say in the film, but. So it took like thirty million years or something. This was the, it, it was revealed that Earth is the computer that the mega computer had made to yeah. work out the question. And I kind of like again when when the computer said that in the flashback earlier in the movie, I was like, "That's it's totally Earth." And the mice were super pissed because the Earth was exactly five minutes away from having the answer when it got blown up by the Vogons. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, 
Oh, sorry. One other line that I, I need to bring up that happens with the conflict with the point of view gun was at some point it gets pointed back at the Trillium, the, the girl, and she says the line, that won't affect me. I'm already a woman. I nearly fell out of my chair laughing. What? Sorry. I just, I had to bring bring that back up. Um, yeah, so the mice, they're kind of evil, or they seem evil. I don't know why. Uh -huh. I just felt like they were evil. Uh, so I think Earth gets put back. They're all back on the planet. Um, but everyone's still dead, which... Or if they, or they just get like recreated as facsimiles of themselves. It was just, it was weird. I didn't, I, I wasn't really sure how I felt about that. It just, it had how a creepy vibe. The humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're basically just on a planet full of homunculi. Just, just, just saved a backup. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> it this this goes back to that. Um, like I think we talked about it on a podcast before. Like one of the questions. That always comes up with uh, Star Trek is the you know the beaming, like mm. you're you're being completely and totally atomized and ripped apart and reassembled on the planet. Are you still the same person when you're on the planet? And my answer to that was no, and I would never use that kind of technology because that's horrifying. And so <laughs> I got very I got that vibe from the uh, the backup people. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, they're back on the. His house has been rebuilt. Yep. Yep. Before the dozers knocked it down. And I think. And he goes in, and all his friends are there eating food at a table laden with food. Yes, and I think he realize he realizes that it's like a trap, and you know it's no, being. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Wait, yes, he does. Well, not before. It's sprung. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what, what it's it's a trap set by the mice. That's yeah, I guess that's true. Um oh yeah. <laughs> I I have it written in my note uh in my notes. This is totally a trap. I realized it was a trap. He didn't. Mm -hmm. Um so it's sprung and he gets like locked into this horrifying chair that belongs in a saw movie. They put a thing on his head and it re it's revealed that the mice are going to like they need to extract his brain because that's going to help them find the answer or something like that. So the, question. The, the reason, because they didn't explain it very well in the film, um, is that because the planet was destroyed, the mice were really fucking pissed. And honestly, they didn't really care anymore. They were like, this has gone on for too long. We need to report back and say that we have some kind of answer. So we're just going to take your brain and think up a good answer to it answer to the question rather than actually getting the real answer to the question yeah uh so we're just gonna take your brain <laughs> yeah and somehow they how does he escape from that something happened like he does it does himself out of the chair okay and he just he just hulks out of it yeah. um and i think he like crushes the mice with like a book or something or uh, yeah, with like a tray, I think that was on the table. Yeah, yeah. So he, he crushes the mice, and they're they're flattened on the table, and it's like, oh, the mice were those weird kids that talked to the supercomputer. Mm. Um. Anyway, I think then like the Vogons show back up, and they have like the house surrounded. And um, th this is this is a great scene. They have the house surrounded, and I think. 
the point of view gun does I don't know if it gets modified or he just he flicks off the cap at the end that stops it changes it from being like a little dart gun to being like an AOE a bazooka yeah. yeah exactly and Martin uses it Marvin is yeah. it Marvin it's Marvin, Marvin I keep yeah. wanting to call him Martin um, Marvin uses it and so he's like horribly depressed and just fires this wave of chronic depression out at all the Voguns and they just all fall over crying and um it's, I, I gotta tell you what the, the book because I think you'll love the book ending even mm -hmm. more so there's one one thing on. just one one thing that I, I wrote here and I I'm kind of curious because I think in the movie um the chick that's with the Vogons the whole time I can't remember her name either I just called her Butchin girl in my notes mm. um but she like she wasn't affected by the depression gun for some reason uh yeah because she's a woman Oh, ha. <laughs> um, so, no, the, um, in, in the original, uh, when they walk outside, there aren't the Vogons there. There are, the, like, the, the space police, the galaxy police, trying to get the Heart of Gold back. Yeah. And they are very politically incorrect policemen. Uh, and they're just, like, shooting away at the people. Like... <laughs> We're liberal, and we just we just want you to die. Basically, mm. uh, we're very soft and emotional people, and this will really hurt us when you do actually die. But we are going to keep shooting at you. <laughs> um, and then suddenly, like, so everyone's hiding behind cover, and then suddenly there's absolute si there's an explosion, and then there's silence, mm. and they're like, "Oh, we should go and see what's happened." And they look out, and suddenly. The two officers and their um, space vehicle, whatever, mm. utterly destroyed. And then Marvin comes walking along, like, "What? What the hell happened, Marvin?" And Marvin was like, "So, I was talking to their ship, and their ship, their ship decided to commit suicide." <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Marvin just started talking to their vehicle and it blew itself up and killed the two officers that were next to it. Because it was, yeah. Well, a short conversation with him, with him was all it took. Yeah. I do uh, like that ending better. It's kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, sorry. And then you'll finish it off. Uh, yeah, so they... I mean, there really isn't much left. It's like, the Earth is restored, the people come back. Oh, I think, um, doesn't, uh, the, the guy who's restoring the Earth, like, he asks, um, Arthur, like, if he wants to make any changes, if there's any differences mm. that he wants, and... In theory, he was meant to say, like, I want there to be no cancer or something. Yeah, or, or something like that. Or, I want, like, you know, I don't know, a billion dollars. Yeah. But... What he says is, he says something along the lines of, oh, don't don't change. Oh, no, he's, he has one change. And the change is, uh, he's not going to be there. And so him and Trillium go off and ride off into the sunset in their ball ship. Everyone does, yeah. With, yeah, with the rest of the party. Uh, with the, the president and Ford and Marvin. Mar Marvin, it is, I got it right. Marvin. Good job. They go off for a meal at the restaurant at the end of the universe. Hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, and that's kind of uh, where the film ends. Yeah, the very last thing in my notes. Weird happy ending. The fake humans are back. Yeah. Well, they oh. were fake humans to start with, though, weren't they? That's true. Yeah, the, that's true. They were always homunculi. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did enjoy the movie. It was very... Like, normally when we do these plot synopses... I have a very easy time going through the movie because a lot of movies have a flow to them. The story mm. follows in kind of a logical order. This one, it was just so much random shit happened. Like, I, I remembered everything that happened, but it was all in the wrong order in my head. Mm. <laughs> well, apart from a few changes, like, at the end, like, the... the okay, so... Uh, in the book, uh, they get picked up from Earth mm -hmm. and they go straight to Magrathea. Okay, so there's not so all skip that. Skip the other two planets. Okay, yeah, there's not all that fucking wrong. So does the whole bureaucracy scene not happen with the forms and stuff? Correct. Oh, okay, that was an invention of the movie. Yeah. So they are. They do the missiles thing, mm -hmm. and they land on the planet. And oh, oh, by the way, the whole time, instead of there just being two mice on the spaceship, there are actually two mice that Trinity had brought along with her. Ah. Uh, they were like her pet mice. Um, and when they get to Magrathea, they land. It's like... Um, I think it's pretty much as as the film describes it being as a snowy planet. Hmm. But to get into the planet, because essentially the, the factory was inside the planet. Yeah. They go in through the giant crater that the whale made. <laughs> and they're like just trying not to look at all the pieces of whale that are all over the place. Oh, so the whale actually served much more of a purpose in the book. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and they tell us to stand guard with Marvin, and that's how they split up that time. Hmm. Um, there's no gun. There's no point-of-view gun at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and Arthur... So Arthur still meets the, the strange man. Mm. And the, the strange man explains in a lot greater detail the the mice and that kind of thing. Also, Zephod Beetlebrocks, uh, he has like an existential crisis where he's like, there are parts of my memory that are missing that have been purposefully removed by me. And I know that's by me because he signed his initials on his brain in the area that he like restricted. Um, and he so he knows that he has to keep doing what he's doing but he's not allowed to know what he's doing because if he knew what he was doing it wouldn't work for some reason um, and yeah it gets quite spooky regarding that uh, and he seems a bit more intelligent uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, anyway, I, I very much enjoyed the movie. I'm curious. I think I'd be curious to read the book because there was enough interesting tidbits of of lore uh, about the the universe and how everything is put together that I, I'd love to actually get more detail on how you know all of that is and why a lot of it mm. happens. I'm um, gonna try that pangalactic gargle blaster. The, the cocktail that they make. Yeah, yeah, I remember it, it. It it feels like having your brain smashed in with a golden brick wrapped in a lemon. 
Yeah, that was so. It, it, and of course, yeah, they they meet, they drink it, and then they're all they all start screaming. Yeah, there's there's a <laughs> lot of stuff that I kind of glossed over when they first get to the ship, and I just said, oh, they have introductions and conversations, but. The ship actually is really cool. Like they, they have they go to the bar area, which, which is where they have that mixed drink Blue just mentioned. Mm. Um, there's a lot of like really cool like lounge areas. Uh, the she makes them like a cup of tea when they first get there, and it's served in a martini glass, and it looks more like an espresso martini. It look, sorry, yeah, it looks more like an espresso martini than a cup yeah, of tea. So with that drinks machine, apparently the machine like enters your body somehow. Mm reads exactly what you want and then pours whatever you want. So technically, it was just, you get the same drink every time, but I guess he wanted tea, so that's what it gave him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I overall, I'd, I'd definitely recommend the movie. It is a little bit off the wall and goofy. Um, mm. But it's family friendly. Somewhat. Uh, what isn't? The fucking whale exploding on a planet's surface. You don't see it, though, do you? Yeah, I guess you don't. You see, like, <laughs> you a, see a, mushroom a bloody cloud. mushroom cloud. Yeah. Not bloody mushroom cloud, it's just a mushroom cloud. I thought anyway. it was reddish. It was, like, behind a mountain, so you don't see the impact, and it's kind of... It's yeah. very funny. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could... There, there are definitely things in it that probably would have disturbed me as a kid. This is, like, something you could probably watch with, like, somebody... I... I <laughs> I wouldn't say it's family friendly for somebody under the age of ten. Really? Are you kidding me? I definitely watched it when I was younger than ten. I probably, I've watched stuff like. I mean, what am I talking about? I watched Captain Planet when I was a little kid, and they show animals and stuff being brutally mutilated in that show. Um, that show was really gory. I they mean, kill a whale in that too. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where the link is. No, no. Guys, it was a sperm whale, not a killer whale. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. That's that's my final thoughts on it. Good movie. Would recommend, but be aware it's a bit off the wall and you're going to be... Just don't question things. Watch it and just go for the, <laughs> go, go for the experience. Yep. And if you want the real full experience, read the book. <laughs> yeah. Where they actually explain what the fuck is happening in the movie. <laughs> All right. Well... This is going to be the end of... This is our third episode of Movie Night. Um, whose choice yep. is it? I believe it... Is it my choice for Movie Next? It's... First one was you, then it was Alicia, then it's me. So it's back, back to you. Back to me. All right. I, I will try to think up what we're going to be watching next. But you know, look forward to that. And until then, thanks for watching. <laughs>